0: Hello all, my name is Brittany and this is the Exposing Grief podcast where I continue to remove that stigma of grief and expose it for what it truly is, which is that natural and healthy way of living and loving. I'll also be adding a little bit of a twist, so this podcast will expose the work behind honoring your grief journey, showing you the real hardships and the unbelievable beauty that grief can bring. I'm thrilled to have you here, so let's get to ending the grief stigma and beginning to build hope. All right, welcome back, my Exposing Grief listeners and viewers. I'm excited to be sitting with another guest. I'm sitting with Gregory. He's been in a couple of my networking groups, and we've collaborated quite a bit. So I'm excited to have him here to talk to you guys about estate planning. So I will turn it right over to you, Gregory. Tell our listeners and viewers a little bit about yourself and what got you in the line of work that you're in.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Brittany. Uh, Very happy to be here. My name is Gregory Singleton. Uh, I am an attorney. Uh, Sorry about that. Uh, I'm the founder and owner of Signature Law, which is a law firm that focuses its practice on estate planning and probate and trust administration. Basically, that means for estate planning, we are putting together a plan to protect someone's legacy after they've passed and to take care of them while they are incapacitated. And for probate and trust administration, we're looking at managing the administrative and legal things that happen after someone dies so that we can distribute assets and make sure that your legacy is properly moved to the next generation or who you want. You asked uh, how I got into my line of work. Uh, well, it's a very long story. I'll, I'll, I'll two real two parts, I'll keep them short. One is while I was in law school, my, my grandfather actually passed, excuse me. And uh, unfortunately, His estate plan, he had a revocable living trust, and whoever set up the trust uh, did not do a very good job of it, and it was going to set up to fail. And when an estate plan fails, be it a trust or uh, a will or just not doing anything, it causes a fight in the family, and those tend to be some of the most vicious fights out there. I remember in law school when we got a case that was like Smith v. Smith or Marbury versus Marbury, those were the ones where the, the fireworks would fly. Any event, yada, yada, yada. There was a lawsuit in our family, and there are people that in my family that i'll that I grew up with that I'll probably never be able to speak with again just because of the rift that it caused. And uh, it really sank, you know, hit home with me and said, if I can keep families from doing going through this, uh, then I've done something right. When I got out of law school, I immediately went into litigation for various reasons, and I did that for seven years doing complex commercial litigation, civil rights work employment law, real estate law, et cetera, suing people, doing jury trials and that sort of thing. And I realized about five or six years in that I I do not enjoy arguing with people. Terrible realization to have after you've gone to law school, you wanna have that realization before law school.
0: Yes, I would imagine but, so.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, but luckily there's a lot of areas of law that you can practice where you're not just constantly arguing with people Estate planning is one, I put two and two together. In 2019, I formed Signature Law and best decision of my entire career.
0: I love that. Yeah, and I, th- I appreciate that you touch on this. I mean, we you touch on this piece of some of the family dynamics. That obviously comes up a lot with grief of, and, you know, someone grieves a little bit differently than I do, but we don't realize that until we're in it. And I think people can sometimes overlook the conflict and the family dynamics that can show up during the logistics aspect of it as well. So I appreciate that you hit on that piece of the importance of finding a good estate planner.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I'm not an expert on grief. I'm sure we can find one of those somewhere, but what I have noticed is people are surprised by their grief. And all of a sudden it, it, it comes out up like that. And all of a sudden you've got a lot of emotion and usually a fair amount of assets and money at issue and people tie their worth the amount of money and assets they receive from the estate, whether it's conscious or uh, subconscious, and then they want to fight. So if you don't set it up right, it, it causes problems.
0: Absolutely, yeah. So other than estate planning, do you provide any other services with your within your business of signature law?
1: Um, well, we, we do the estate planning, and then we do the trust with we, we create well the legacy planning while you're alive, and then. After you die, we administer things. Those are, That's really all we focus on. There will be a move in the next uh, year or two to start working in guardianships and conservatorships, as well as expanding our offerings in elder law. But we're, we're just easing into that right now.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. So part of, well, big reason why I wanted to have you on specifically in January is we're talking about this, the importance of pre-planning. So can you speak to our listeners and viewers about when it might be good to start estate planning?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) What the expectation I run into from people is that uh, you need to start your estate planning when you're expecting to die. So people wait until their retirement age, maybe they've got some uh, hospital thing coming up, and then they finally get around to it. Um, And because of that only I think it's like 21% of of American adults have an estate plan in place. The reality is we're going to in estate planning, we're looking at uh six different categories of things. Uh, first of all, while you're alive and incapacitated, and after you pass. And for each of those times, we're looking at your money and your assets, your body and your health, and uh guardianship of minor children or dependents. So we've got six areas we've got to take care of. So if you have for uh legacy planning, which is like doing a will or a revocable living trust, we're gonna look at it not when you're looking to, or planning on dying. Uh, we're going to look at it as soon as you have assets that you want to make sure are going somewhere, or as soon as you have children, you need to plan for who will be their guardian if both you or both or all people that have parental rights of the children uh, should, should die. Uh, for incapacity planning, uh, that one actually, we want people to start planning when they're eighteen. When I say incapacity planning, this means that you're unable to make, for instance, healthcare decisions for yourself either multiple strokes dementia coma alzheimers or a variety of other conditions as soon as you turn 18 your parents cannot make those decisions for you so you could go off to college get in an accident on playing football or something and nobody is around to make those decisions uh, durable financial power of attorney is for it's very much very similar but it authorizes someone to step in your shoes and make financial decisions for you and then as soon as you have kids guardianship directive that if you're alive but incapacitated someone's got to have authority to take care of your kids otherwise social services gets involved so we're we're looking at major changes in life and as soon as you turn 18.
0: Okay yeah and these I think are well we'll hit on this with my next question but this is partly why I wanted you on Of I think these are areas that people wouldn't even think, oh, I'm young and healthy and I don't need an estate plan. Right. We don't, we don't look at it, which is why I want to highlight the importance of pre-planning. So Gregory, can you speak to the listeners a little bit about the importance of pre-planning and particularly the importance of pre-planning with estate planning?
1: Believe it or not, everyone has an estate plan. Uh, Let's say you live in Minnesota. I, I practice in Minnesota. If you don't have a revocable living trust or you don't have a will, you have a will under the statute, the Minnesota statutes, and basically it says all your assets are going to go to your spouse or your kids. Or, and then after, if you don't have a spouse or kids, it goes to your parents and then brothers and sisters, cousins, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you don't pre-plan, you may run into a situation I had last year. If you are under the age of 21 in Minnesota, you cannot inherit under the Uniform uh, the Minor Act. Minnesota version of it. But so what happens if you are under 21 and you inherit a large amount of money uh, because someone didn't do a will, it goes into a custodial account. And then when you turn 21, you get everything. And last year, I had a family come to me and say, hey, um, our nephew or someone uh, got a lot of money at age 21 because there wasn't any planning to say, hold on to that money and meet it out for them for the next 10 years until they're old enough to be responsible. He got it all at 21, it was about a quarter million dollars, went to Vegas, blew it all in about three weeks. No! Oh yeah, and his family came to me and was like, what can we do? And I was like, "Uh, I I don't sue Vegas. I I can't do that for you. (laughs) So there was was nothing I could do, but had they planned properly, they could have created a trust for the kid, given him an allowance, made sure the money goes to education, and when the kid turns 28 maybe, then they get the balance of things. Um, that's why we want to look at legacy planning. The other reason let, let's talk, actually, let, let's talk about incapacity planning. Cause that's the one that I run into, um, quite a bit is when someone doesn't have, for instance, a durable financial power of attorney in place, you can only sign these documents while you mentally have capacity. which can mean a variety of things depending on the document. But what will happen if someone's mother or father will develop Alzheimer's or you know, fast onset Alzheimer's and they'll be on memory care. And then the kids will be like, Hey, I need um, I need that financial power of attorney because I gotta pay their bills. And I I talked to the actual client, which is the mother or father, and they're just un don't have capacity to sign a durable power of attorney. All of a sudden, instead of spending a couple hundred bucks or whatever on uh doing the durable power of attorney, now they have to go to court and do a guardianship or conservatorship hearing, which is gonna cost three to five thousand dollars. And you have to deal with courts and court timelines and attorneys. And as I tell everyone, attorneys are the worst. So if we can avoid them, your your life will be better.
0: Yeah, just so interesting. And I appreciate that you bring in stories because it, we, you know, education wise, we can talk about why it's important, but I think when you can apply it to a story, it's like, Oh my God. Okay. Woo. Or it might allow people to visualize their experience a little bit more, their situation, a little bit more and apply it. You know, the things that you're talking about, they might be able to apply it to their situation a little bit better. So I appreciate the stories and, and the, you know, examples that you're providing for those who are tuning in, who might be thinking, okay, it's time for me to look at my estate, or maybe I want to revamp it. I don't want to work with my person anymore. What would you suggest their next steps to be for those who are interested?
1: Uh, if they if they don't have an estate plan, first of all, find, uh, get educated. Now, be careful if each state is, can be very, very different in mm-hmm. how they do estate planning. Um, if you are in California, for example, their probate system is egregiously expensive and time consuming and painful. And a large percentage of the estate will go to just paying for the probate process. So in California, you almost always want to have a revocable living trust. Minnesota probably isn't so bad. Um, You can get through it at a reasonable price. So maybe depending on your estate, a will is fine. So, but be careful when you're educating yourself and looking at online websites and reading books and stuff. If they're written like in Florida, New York or California and you live in Minnesota, you're not going to be getting a good picture of what's going on. So your goal really is to find the right individual to talk to, get get educated, uh, watch some YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel all on estate planning and probate. Uh, I do presentations on that. They're all free online, but just get educated a bit and then talk to a professional that focuses their practice on estate planning. And I cannot emphasize that enough. The law changes and there's minor and little changes and updates. And if you talk to a general practitioner, they may be a wonderful lawyer that did your uh, you got in a car accident and they represented you. And then they also handled the divorce and they do some corporate law and maybe a little criminal law on the side. But oh, yeah, 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 they do some estate planning as well. That probably means they just downloaded some templates offline and fill them in. And they really they know a little bit more because they went to law school. Maybe maybe they're going to miss a lot. So talk to somebody that focuses the practice on estate planning and estate planning and elder law are really the two areas.
0: Yeah, Yeah. that that I always tell people that, too, when they're looking um, when asking about grief, um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of clinicians that will say, you know, oh, this is an interest of mine or I see this come a lot in my office, which fine. Right. Not that they're not doing good work when it comes to particular things, you really want to make sure that they specialize in it. So I'm really sure to highlight that the same way that you are. Make sure whoever you're working with specializes in this area. Um, and I think people can overlook until they unfortunately work with somebody who doesn't, I think they can overlook how important it is that they specialize in this area. And listeners too, quick thing, I will I will put Gregory's um, YouTube channel in the show notes below. So don't feel like you have to be scrambling and searching everywhere. I will be putting that in the show notes. So you have easy access to that.
1: We actually can't say specialize, uh, as attorneys, we just have to say, focus your practice on there's some ethical rules, but that's That's not
0: interesting. Hmm, That's interesting. Yeah. in the therapy world specializations, that's what you want to look for. That's the biggest thing when you graduate, they're like, what are you going to specialize in? What are you going to specialize in? What's your niche? Right. Um, that's interesting. So, okay. So maybe you wouldn't look for the terms, what do you specialize in? It'd be more, what's the focus. Quickly, too, for those who are interested, can you briefly give us a rundown of what it might be working like with you specifically, Gregory? What can people expect if they're going to work with you?
1: Yeah, um, my pro. Well, first of all, I can only work with people in Minnesota. I'm only licensed in Minnesota. Uh, that's just the way it goes. Uh, secondly, I actually have a unique situation for now. Um, I'm I don't have an office. I work remotely, so. What will happen is we'll have an initial consultation, put together a basic strategy of, you know, suss out a few things, and then you'll get the intake package, which will include, for instance, all the intake forms. Fill those out, get them back to me. I'll do the drafting. We'll have the first consultation. I usually do this over Zoom. Um, at this point, I often haven't met my client yet because I work from home. I don't have an office to go to, um, but we'll do the consultation over Zoom re-strategize I'll get some clarification on a variety of things pull a couple few things I'll take it home I'll redraft, uh, share the documents with you uh, just for this sake by the way of looking at the information you know better than I uh names phone numbers distribution a big one is your answers to your health care directive. Uh, I could go on a long time about bad healthcare directives, but you should have a robust one. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but you should have one that has a mental health care directive component as well. Very important these days. But uh, from there, we'll actually have another consultation again Zoom because I can actually share the screen. And this is another pet peeve of mine: I want people to understand what's in the document that they're signing. Uh, what, um, what, weird. Not,
0: is that I is know. that typical? Do does that usually how people practice? <laughs>
1: Um, well, on one hand, there is an ethical obligation that attorneys yes. have to inform their clients about what they're doing. Uh, there's on the other hand, there's a reality of, I've, I've seen a lot of estate plans where the the client was like looking to redo their estate plan. And then they said, yeah, my, my attorney drafted it. Then we just signed it. I was like, did he go over it? And they're like, eh, he kind of talked about a few points, but that's it. I'll look at the estate plan and it will make absolutely no sense. It will mess up who the personal representatives are. I've seen ones that have built in supplemental needs trusts, which are pretty robust beasts for people uh, that are on medical benefits and such. um, Where there's nobody that's on medical benefits and there's no need for such a trust. Uh, I've seen, seen things screwed up left, right, up and down because the attorney didn't go over things with them. And it ticks me off. It really ticks me off.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and I, and so this too, I mean, listeners, if, if you're hearing this, I hope that you're also hearing like, wow, Gregory is going to take really good care of me. And also, if you're not able to work with him for whatever reason, if you're in a different state or you already are working with somebody, this is hitting the point of make sure you advocate for yourself. Right, whether it's in mental health, physical health, legal things, right, always make sure you're advocating for yourself and asking to see these documents. So I appreciate that you highlight that, Gregory, because that is so important.
1: Yeah, remember your attorney works for you. They don't want to admit it, but they do. Um, So they need. I mean, take their advice, but if you need them to explain it, then make sure they explain it. Yeah, because that review consultation that we'll do is a little line by line over everything that's in the in the thing and. My favorite thing is I can say, Merry Christmas. We're going to spend an hour going over your joint revocable trust. Congratulations. Uh, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> so I have a great time doing it, but, um, you know, not, it's not, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's important to do. And then from there, I finalize, make any changes, whatever else we have, we set up a signing. And right now I actually drive out to my clients and we do it in their house. And then we do that. I take it home. You get a binder. Um, this is apparently I have a lot of pet peeves, <laughs> um, uh, many attorneys, what they'll do is you'll just get, you'll get a, a fancy cardboard ish paper thing that staples your will, your durable power of attorney, your healthcare directive, all in one. And they just hand you an envelope. I think that's kind of ridiculous because you don't know what to do. So I put together a, a strategy document, a in, lots of instructions on what to do, what not to do. And then there's a bunch of ancillary documents you got to take care of. Uh, You don't need me for, but things like a funeral directive doesn't seem important. But let me tell you, people want things taken care of that that went after someone dies. They don't want to have to think they want to look at a document and say, oh, he wants open bar and to use this funeral home done.
0: Yep. And two, just a quick note on that, I will I do have someone in this series coming on, listeners and viewers, that will talk about the importance of pre-planning funeral. So mm-hmm. nice segue, Gregory. Um, yeah. but these pieces that you're touching on also speak to how you're different. And I think that's so important when there are so many estate planners and there are so many professionals in that have this focus, right? People like to know, well, what makes you different than everybody else? And I'm hearing you are very detail-oriented, you are very personable, and you are gonna adjust to each client's needs and make sure they fully understand what's going on.
1: Yeah. I, I just give everyone the Cadillac of the state plans, uh, because it's just more paper for me and I've got it all planned out. Um, my focus on the firm is to do excellent service with excellent customer service. Uh, I don't think a lot of attorneys do that and, uh, it's a shame, but we're getting better. Attorneys are getting better.
0: It's good. That's good. Slowly. Yes. Well, I appreciate all this great information. Listen, viewers, I have all of his contact information down below. So if you want to contact him, you certainly can. I always, and I'm Gregory, I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here with my podcasts. I always like to wrap things up with this one question of you've covered a lot of information today. And I hope the listeners and viewers take everything away that you're take that you're giving them. But if they only take one thing, what are you hoping that they take with them today?
1: Work with a knowledgeable professional. I could, I do probate as well as as long as the state planning, I could make a very, very healthy living doing probates of people that did their own will or did online will. Oh God, the online wills. Not, not to, to bash all online wills. If you have an extraordinarily basic plan where everything goes to your spouse, if you die, if your spouse dies before you, it goes to your kids done, you might be okay with an online will. But if you don't work with a professional that knows what they're doing. You don't know what you don't know. The the unknown unknowns or the unknowns Potential issues are out there that are not covered by online wills. What if you move from a community property state? How do you deal with pets? What about tax issues? Do they even apply? What if there's a divorce? Do you know the ins and outs of the SECURE Act? I do this all day, every day, and I learn something new every single day, and uh, which is... I love. I think it's great. It keeps me interested, uh, or keeps me interested in the the area of practice. Um, but make sure you work with a professional uh, because there's the unknown unknowns out there are what will bite it won't bite you in the in the butt. It'll bite your your heirs and your family and whoever's taking care of your estate and cost them a lot of time and money they don't wanna deal with.
0: Absolutely. And I think that speaks to this piece that we've already touched on of be sure to advocate for yourself and in our field. And I even heard it with yourself, too, if we start with the consultation. Right. But I encourage Mm -hmm. people, even potential clients who call me, I encourage them, make sure you interview your therapist. Right. Like they should be willing to sit down with you or virtually or whatever and answer your questions. Right. So if you run into a professional who's not willing to do that, that might that might be a red flag. Right. So. Yeah, the importance of advocating for yourself and making sure you get some time to kind of interview them before you commit to working with them. So I appreciate the information and that that piece. So if you listeners or viewers, take nothing away, be sure to take away that piece of work with a professional who knows what they're doing. Cause it's it's very important. So Gregory, and Whatever I- money
1: you'll save from the outset, you're just it's just gonna go money out of your estate when they have to spend all that. To clean it up later. So
0: wonderful. Well, Gregory, thank you again for your time. I appreciate you having having you on here and sharing all your information. Um, all your contact information is below. I do also have your YouTube down there. So listeners, viewers, be sure to check that out and stay tuned. We will be back with more pre-planning professionals and the importance of doing that. Gregory, thank you again for your time. I really
1: appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Exposing Grief. I want you to know that you are playing an important part in removing that stigma of grief and in turn creating a world where expression of love for our living and deceased loved ones is acceptable and welcomed. For that, I am forever grateful to you. If you resonated with this episode today, please share it with someone you believe would benefit or I welcome any and all reviews so it's easier for others who need this hope in their life to find me. Here's to honoring your grief journey and empowering others to do the same. Until next time.